and welcome to Hour of Devastation, a new weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me always is Sam Neal. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm not too bad, thank you. Good, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. It's uh, it's WrestleMania weekend, so that's always quite an exciting time of year for me, being a, a big wrestling fan. Yeah, that's something I've missed out on. I, I don't get it. Oh, it's great. It's great. Oh, I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> so popular with steel chairs. It's fantastic. <laughs> sure. I've seen some very, very silly things over the weekend, and it's, yeah, WrestleMania is the big show tonight, so I'm going to stay up probably to like five o'clock tomorrow morning, so... Oh, gee, have you, have you got to work tomorrow? No, no, I took the day off, thankfully. To watch WrestleMania? Yeah, yeah, do it every year, that's annually, fine. like... Two days. <laughs> okay, sure, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> Two days off a year. One is always the Royal Rumble, uh, the day after the Royal Rumble, and one's always the day after WrestleMania. <laughs> every year. That is a like, holiday, so. you know, like, probably, like, walk out of a job if I didn't, if I couldn't get the day after WrestleMania off, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this anymore, I need to watch wrestling. <laughs> That seems perfectly reasonable. I, I, I have no problem with, with that sort of behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, as far, as far as magic goes this week, how's your, how's your week of magic been? Uh, pretty medium. Uh, every week I feel like I get on this podcast and, you know, ask people to listen to me talk about magic and then I'm like, I haven't really played any magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did F&M. I um, played some old school. Oh, sweet. I love old school. It is really fun yeah it is so between between you <laughs> and some uh, some of the players in Birmingham badgering me to play the format um, I finally picked up a deck and it's just really good sweet uh, what deck are you playing I'm playing Urnum Geddon ah oh, nice nice so it's white green deck playing uh, Birds of Paradise Land or to Ramp and then you cast an Urnum Geddon because it's a 4 mana 4-5 yeah and then you um, you play Armageddon and they don't have any lands can't catch up with you and then you just smash them before every turn sweet yeah sounds great it's really really fun yeah, yeah so, like, old school kind of feels like it is kind of the domain of the 4-4s four, four really yeah absolutely like Sarah Angel is probably still the best creature in the format yeah Sarah Angel uh, Jism Jim Juggernaut Juggernaut's budget Jism Jim Suchi Suchi is a 4-4 four, four as well yeah like because it fit so basically I suppose we should probably explain the format for people that might not. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's still, it's still a bit of a niche format, I think. Yeah, so it's the the sort of official I mean this isn't this isn't a sanctioned format that has any sort of proper tournaments anyone. It's just it's just some people that sort of meet up in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's and, yeah, there's a few like decent sized tournaments that sort of go yeah, on. Yeah. It's time to pick world, up but, like, but there, there still is like, like a few sort of localised variants on the format and it's definitely absolutely. something that is is still growing and it is more of like a feels weird to sort of call it a casual format, but it is more of a casual format still at the moment. I think um, just because yeah, it hasn't. It's a it's casual a, format where people play lotuses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The, the legal sets are uh, Alpha Beta and Limited Revised, Chronicles, Arabian Nights, Antiquities, Legends of the Dark. Uh, yeah. In some places, they also allow Fallen Empires, uh, but they don't. Yeah, they don't in the UK. Between, uh, there's a difference between sort of. Is it European and American? Uh, so there's a big, the bigger biggest differences I think really are between Eternal Central and Channel Fireball. Mm-hmm. So Eternal Central are the sort of the the group responsible for running like the larger old school events in America, and yep. they allow Fallen Empires. So their format is is sort of completely different to what you'll find uh, any of the events run by Channel Fireball because they use a sort of slightly different rule set. Uh, in sure. Europe, we have various different rule sets. Uh, Stuff like you've got Sweden, where like I think Unlimited's the only reprint set you're allowed. Oh wow! So yeah, so you can't have like Chronicles. You can't play with Revised. Like everything has to be black bordered. But I think they do allow Unlimited as well. Oh man, that's ridiculous. Uh, but then you've got the UK, which is kind of somewhere nicely in between, where yeah, you're allowed Revised, you're allowed Chronicles. It seems more of sort of about accessibility and getting people to to play the format than a lot of sort of more strict sort of restrictions yeah absolutely i mean like i couldn't afford to play this format if those restrictions applied yeah same I mean, absolutely it's a it's a format where like you can play power um and you know there are some absurdly expensive decks like you know full sets of dual lands full sets of power in these decks and then but you can like play play cheap cards and you can play reprint versions and you can actually build a reasonably competitive affordable deck 
like I don't think my deck costs more than about a hundred pounds. Yeah, definitely. In total, because I've got like reprints. I like, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is the this is the rule is that you can have as long as they're in um, as long as they're original art, so art for the, featured from the first time they were printed in the legal sets and has an old border. Yeah. So the sort of original um, alpha through seventh edition border. Yeah. Then it's legal in the format, so you can actually play time shifted cards yeah i think some some tournaments will let you others won't i think it all depends entirely on the the tournament organizer really um yeah but i i I don't think people would sort of frown upon it to be honest if you you yeah i mean i think like yeah like a time shifted card or like yeah i don't know like fifth edition whatever yeah i mean like because my my deck's like fourth edition cards um like italian versions of cards because they're like a lot cheaper like italian legends um, like my deck's pretty much entirely white border because um, it's because it's cheap and yeah. like I'm playing City of Brasses instead of Jewel Lands and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I think just the interactions I've had with the because there's, there's there's quite a big community in the UK for like for old school and like the conversations I've had with people that play it are just like they want as many people as possible to play really. Yeah, definitely. Because it's so fun. So if you have to like sort of um, cheese your way in, I guess with like. <laughs> You know, reprinted cards and like collector's cards. edition power and national edition power. Yeah, like just play it because it's really, really fun. Yeah, it's just like absolute nonsense. Like, yeah, just, you you play, you play a Sarah Angel, which by today's standards is embarrassing, and you're just like, I can't lose this game. Yeah. I've got a full flow of vigilance. Like, how how can I possibly lose? I mean, it dies to terror. It it does die. I mean, I haven't played against many black decks. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is pretty bad against. I mean, it feels bad when you. Um, when you ramp it out with Lanamore Elves and Birds of Paradise and you cast an Armageddon, yeah. and then you're like, yeah, I can't lose this game, and your opponent unsummons it. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> well, there's nothing that I can do here. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, yeah I, do, I do love the format a lot. It's, yeah, so the, the idea really is you're playing cards from 1993 and 1994, and uh-huh. right, it's cards that were right sort of from the very beginning of Magic, um, which I thought yeah. I was probably around two years old when Alpha came out, so I never... Got to experience the beginning of it, and oh dear, I wasn't even born. Yeah, oh man, and I feel yeah, like... like I'm playing some cards that are older than me. Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's it's a weird feeling. Yeah, so it's kind of like I don't know, like almost like this faux nostalgia in a way, but it's it's really interesting and it feels really fun just to get to experience sort of things that players were experiencing back then when they were sort of first getting into the game. Yeah, absolutely. Like because. I mean, I've been around a couple of tournaments, like because I've only started playing for like recently. Yeah. Um, but I've like because they only do a couple of cyber cyber events, GPs, um, and I've been around a couple of events, and everyone's just like people have just got some beers <laughs> <laughs> next to their like single sleeve black lotuses, and they're just having fun, and like it's mainly about community and being able to do stupid stuff with really old cards. Yeah, definitely. Rather than like being spiky and playing the best things you possibly can. Yeah, I've just been having a great time, and I'm really excited to play that in the format as much as I possibly can. Awesome. It's really fun. It is really fun. I do wish there were sort of more players up in the northeast, so I don't really get to play the format very often, but I do Sure. I mean, there's only, like, in Birmingham, I think, there's only, like, four or five of us with the decks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you just play with your friends, right? And you just have a, you have a, have a fun time. Um, and that's why I've enjoyed it so much because it's so fun. Yeah, totally. Sweet. What what kind of magic have have you played since I went on a little bit of a tangent there about old school? <laughs> what have you played this week? Um, again, not not that much, but a, a few different formats. So I've been putting my time in on Arena. Um, as, yep. as what feels like as always at the moment. Um, still yep. feel exactly the same about it. Like, it's still your favourite format ever. Yeah, it's a fine Magic Jewels replacement. You know. <laughs> yep. I'll probably if they stick draft, if they stick draft on it, like I'll probably I'll probably draft on there. But mm-hmm. it's not really for me. That's fine, you know. We've, yeah, we've covered it to death. Let's move on from that. Uh, so <laughs> aside from Arena, um, yeah. I've been playing uh, Modern Cube because I do love Cube, and we've got Modern Cube up on Magic Online at the moment. Yep, sweet. Modern Cube is kind of really bad this time around. Ah, uh, okay, that's although that's uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's really bad or if it's like I'm just playing really bad, or I'm just evaluating the cards completely wrong. Like I'm not sure. Like, cause, I mean, when you play cube, you used to like vintage or legacy cube, right? Yeah, yeah. And then to have it so restricted to like, I mean, when you think about it, because you know, when you play like a constructed modern deck, it feels powerful, right? Yeah, definitely. When you really think about it, there's so much cut. There's so much you can't play, and there's nothing like busted. And that's why I enjoy cube because you can do really silly stuff. 
Yeah, and you don't you just don't really have that in mm. at least the modern cube list that they've got up at the moment. So yeah, you've got like Grizzlebrand, yeah, you've got Alish Norn, but you're looking to sort of ramp up to them using like lands and mana dorks, maybe a signet. Like like yeah. Cold Steel Heart, like Cold Steel Heart has been one of my favourite cards in the cube and like That's confusing. It's yeah, it's 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 not great. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Like yeah, so uh, I've only I've only ended up done about four cubes so far, and went two one and three of them, and one two in the other one, and even mm-hmm. that one, like the one I went one two in, I had like Jace the Mind Sculptor, which like is usually a bit of a cube all star, but it just just didn't feel great. Oh, I think I should do the deck for that one as well. I had like Course of Graphics, Jace the Mind Sculptor, like Oracle of Maldaya. Yeah, it looks like really really powerful, and like you had a load of value, and then it just wasn't good. No, because all the decks, I think, are just just a little bit too fair. No, that's not what you want. No, so you want, I haven't been enjoying that so much. Like, because I mean, I love fair magic. That's my favorite kind of magic to play. Yeah, but I think you go to cube to play the nonsense, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I just love unfair magic. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> look at the decks I play. Like in modern, like I played Tron. Uh, like I play Lantern Control currently. Uh, mm. Legacy, I play under, like ad nauseum tendrils, like you know. Yeah, just like doing really silly stuff. Yeah, like standard and playing like blue white approach, which is silly. It's uh, <laughs> it's incredibly fair. You're just playing a card that says win the game on it, right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's yeah. So that's the other thing I played this week. So obviously it was store championships uh, this weekend. Yeah, uh, I played in that. So I took blue white approach, uh, mm-hmm. and I went uh, two three with that. <laughs> oh man! And one of those was a buy. So you went one three. <laughs> I, yeah, I I won two games of Magic <laughs> the entire oh, day. <laughs> that that feels but What happened? Uh, oh, I I don't know. To be honest, I think it was just you know, there's a lot of variance involved, or there can be a lot of variance involved in in Magic, especially in in formats like Standard, where your cards don't you don't really have that sort of power level as like some of the older cards and older formats and. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have the same card draw spells, you know. Uh, so I think it was just one of those cases where I was just going to have a bad day. I wasn't drawing the right hands. I was moving sure. down to five. I was keeping what seemed like perfectly acceptable hands, like two land hands, three land hands, and then never finding any more land. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I had like one game. I played against Merfolk, uh, like a blue green Merfolk deck, um, sure. and it just felt really bad because I was sat there three lands in play and all I was drawing were like things which cost four or more right so you can't cast your actual game winning cards <laughs> yeah so I can't cast like I didn't I couldn't couldn't deal with the, the threats of like the three merfolk that were on the board like the three two twos that were just beating me down for six every turn yeah like it feels like that should be a good matchup right oh yeah absolutely like you know any other day that would have been great that would have been a dead, dead easy matchup but I'm sat there and I've got like three settle the wreckage and two fumigate in hand and three land on the board and I'm not drawing land. Yeah, that's how many how many lands does that play? I'm playing twenty five. Uh, I feel like you should draw food and search first counter. Like Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so bad. it just yeah. So that that wasn't fun and then like I played against Godfarrow's gift for uh, two of the rounds as well and it, it I just don't think I've played that matchup enough. Um there were two like sort of game. slight yeah, the deck is really good and there, there were two different version? variations of it. So, yeah, playing against sort of two variations of it. So one was just the sort of standard. Um, I think they were just a just a blue black or blue white. Uh, yeah, I think I think they were they were blue white or maybe Desper. Yeah, I got uh-huh. Ferris gift. But then the other one was one that runs Combat Celebrant. Oh, so I love that version, like yeah. the Jeskai version, right? Yeah, Jeskai version. And, yeah. Such nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it just it just got me like both games. <laughs> like like the first time it happened, I was like, okay, Combat Celebrant, sure, yeah, go ahead. Mm. And then it was like, and then I bring back a Combat Celebrant, and then I get another attack, and. Oh, okay. There's an additional combat. <laughs> sure. GG's. Like, yeah, fine. So, yeah, I just kind of just had a bit of a poor run all day, but it uh, was fine. It was fun. That's the main, that's what store championships are about, right? Yeah. And Having the, uh, the nice playmat for first place. That's kind of what they're about, really. Yeah, I mean, you like to collect playmats, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was quite. It was quite a nice playmat, the uh, the Teferi one. Yeah, so I mean, I, I say you collect playmats. You just happen to have loads because have loads because you win them all, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I've, I've got a fair amount of playmats, but they're mostly from like GPs and stuff. But I do have a couple of game day winning playmats. Yeah, I mean, my my playmats are just ones I bought. I have no, I have one that I've actually got from being good at Magic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, well, moving on from that, uh, do we have a cracker pack this week? We do. Cool. Uh, what is our pack this week? Uh, Rivals of X-Lan. Um, I, you know, I want to dope as much as I can before we don't get to draft it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 get it over and done with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's do this analysis on a format that no one will care about in a couple of weeks. <laughs> right then. So we do. We are Dominaria fairly soon. So I'm thinking about maybe cracking open something a little bit extra special next week. Um, yeah, that's good. It just make more fun rather than because we no one cares about the, cares about this format anymore. Right? No, it's it's going to be gone very soon. I think everyone's played it to death by now. So. Get this one yeah. over and done with, and then maybe we'll crack a weatherlight booster next week. Weatherlight booster? Yeah, I've got some of those. Dude, that's sweet. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, I feel so boring opening this pack now. <laughs> well, every card is going to seem horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it gives people a reason to come back next week, doesn't it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Just to hear about a weatherlight booster. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, this very boring Rivals of Excellent booster, we have Buccaneers Bravado. Yeah. One in a red for an instant. Yep. Choose one. Target creature gets plus one plus one and gains first strike until end of turn. Target pirate gets plus one plus one and gains double strike until end of turn. Just just a no, I think. Really? Yeah, like I mean I guess technically it's the first pick currently because it's the only card we've seen <laughs> from the pack. I, but yeah, I'm like I'm not first picking this, but like I don't I don't hate this in the pirate decks. Yeah, like it's fine in the pirate decks and But, but just a no, sure. It's just a no <laughs> at this point, definitely. Yeah. I mean yeah, the second card's already better. Uh, Secrets of the Golden City. Yeah, sure. I'd take that. One blue, blue. Sorcery with Ascend. So if you have ten or more permanent permanents, you get the City's Blessing. Draw two cards. If you have a City's Blessing, draw three cards. Yeah, I'm definitely picking that at this point. Yeah, I think like this has been my favorite my favorite deck in the in the format. Has been these like Ascend decks. Yeah. And three mana draw three is just absurd value. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, hopefully we'll find something slightly better than this. Yeah. Speaking of Ascend decks. Martyr of Dusk. Ah, Martyr of Dusk was okay. Yeah, one and a white for a vampire soldier. When it dies, create a 1-1 vampire creature token with lifelink. It's a 2-1. Yep. Uh, it's a card that saw a lot of play in Ixalan block constructed on a magic arena. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, just it's a value card? I mean, I don't understand that format. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it just Is it just good enough? It's it's a vampire, and like the vampire decks were decent. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this card good? It is a vampire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still taking secrets. Yeah, absolutely, same here. Uh, Fathom Fleet Border. Sure. Two and a black for an orc pirate. When it enters the battlefield, you lose two life unless you control another pirate, and it's a 3-3. Uh, no. No? No, again, like, secrets. I'll take secrets over this. Yeah, like, I'd play this, but I'm not I'm not taking it. Yeah. No. Nah. Oh, uh, we got a sideboard card. What have we got? Plummet, one in a green, instant, destroy target creature with flying. Yeah, a great sideboard card. Yeah, but that's not, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not picking this card. Uh, Fanatical Firebrand. Ah, okay. That's something a bit it's more interesting. For a, it says Goblin Pirate, but it's a Monkey Pirate, right? Ah, it's a Goblin. Look at the look at the it's a monkey. <laughs> um, for a goblin pirate, yeah, uh, it has haste and tap sacrifice it. Uh, it does one damage type creature or player, and it's a one one. Yeah, uh, I'm probably not first picking it here, but I mm-hmm. I could almost guarantee that this is going to see a considerable amount of play when Dominaria is released because of the goblin decks. Cause, yeah, because mono red goblins. It has a tail. It does. It's a monkey. <laughs> I've got a lot of theories about that whole thing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've been before hatting pretty hard on that, but yeah. it's a it's a monkey. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. Well, I guess yeah, sure, we'll talk about that. <laughs> our uh, our next card is a spirewinder. Okay, three in a blue, flying, ascend, and it gets plus one plus one as long as you have the city's blessing, and it's a two three. Yeah, it's fine. I and personally, I'm still on, on the secrets plan at this point. I think. But this card has Ascend as well. It does, but this one doesn't draw you cards. That is true. I mean, yeah, like in the Ascend decks and stuff, like just as a as a sort of a finisher, I guess, in the sort of deadly decks in the format, because this ends up being a four mana three four with flying. It seems fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, not not better than Secrets. Um, Voracious Vampire, two and a black for a Vampire Knight has Menace. When it enters the battlefield, target, target Vampire you control gets plus one plus one and gains Menace until the end of turn. It's two two. Uh, yeah, like it, it's it's fine. Like it's 
like like most cards in this pack, I guess. Um, I, <laughs> it's fine. Like, I'd be happy enough to play it in my vampire deck. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, there's no way this is a first pick. No, definitely not. Oh, neither's this. Cleansing Ray. Oh, okay. One and a white for sorcery. Yeah. Choose one. Destroy target vampire. Destroy target enchantment. No, it's another sideboard card. We're definitely not yep. first picking that. So what have we got after Cleansing Ray? <laughs> We've got Knight of the Stampede. Oh, cool. And what does that uh, do? Three and a green for a human knight. Dinosaurs... Uh, you cut uh, dinosaur spells you can cast cost two less to cast. It's two four. I don't mind this card. Yeah, same. I feel like the vast majority of this pack has just been that way. Like, yeah, don't mind it. Fair, it. Probably not going to first pick it. Yeah, like this card's been this pack's been really spoiling so far. Yeah, see if we can get any better. Uh, horn swoggle. No. Turn blue instant cat type creature spell. Create a treasure. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, treasure's good, but no. God. Oh, this is slightly more interesting. Uh, this is our second uncommon. Oathsworn Vampire. Okay. And what One does that do? for a Vampire Knight. Yep. And it's Battlefield Tapped. Um, you may cast it from your graveyard if you gain life this turn, and it's a 2-2. Cool. And uh, what was the cost on that one? Uh, one and a black. One and a black for a 2-2. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I think. Good. Yeah, I think this will probably be my pick so far. Yeah, it's a sweet grinding card. Yeah. Like, especially, so... Um, the vampire decks have a lot of the one-one life-linking vampire tokens. Yeah. Um, and you can just keep casting this. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, but I think it's better than our next uncommon, which is Thunderherd Migration. Ah, uh, yeah, it's definitely better than that. One and a green uh, as an additional cost to cast it. Reveal a dinosaur from your hand or pay one. Search a library for a basic card, basic land card, and put it to the battlefield tap, and then shuffle your library. It's. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever played this card. No, I don't think I have either. Like, I I don't think it's quite as horrendous as it sounds, but it's certainly not something I would play. It's a three mana ramping growth, and like yeah. I don't think like the ramp decks are support. I mean, what's your top end of the ramp decks? Yeah, there's basically nothing. Uh, yeah, one of your big dinosaurs. But ah, speak, speaking of which, yeah, yeah, yeah. what have we got? <laughs> Our rare is Nezahol Primal Time. Yeah, I'm taking Nezahol. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, four blue blue for yep. a legendary creature Elder Dinosaur. Yep. Can't be counted. You have no maximum hand size. Whenever your opponent casts a non-creature spell, draw a card. Discard three cards. Exile as a whole. Return to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of the next 10 step. And it is a 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. Card's fine. I'd definitely take that. Yeah. Like, sure. I'm taking the bomb rare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the format all about bomb rares, I'm taking the bomb rare. Absolutely. I think we just got Ixaland there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for that not to be a thing anymore. Oh, I know, same. I feel like uh, this set in particular, I know it, it was a bit of a feeling that I had with the Year of the Gatewatch Battle for Zendikar formats as well. Like, sure. I don't think the format has been quite as bad as they were, but it just feels like it's been just hanging around forever. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm very excited for a new set for a fresh format. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, even outside Limited, I'm just very excited for Dominaria. Yeah, same. Um, Dominaria. As soon as sooner that comes, the... Uh, the better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, as, as each day is going by and we're starting to see more sort of cards spoiled from the set, it just looks just better and better somehow. Like, yeah, yeah R- Richard Garfield. Is the... Yeah, yeah, like, this is the first set he's done, he's worked on since Innistrad. Yeah, Innistrad was the last one he did, and then before that it was uh, original Ravnica. Oh, man. And then, like, he did, like, Alpha or something, right? <laughs> I, think, I, I think it might have been, like, Onslaught before that. Oh, really? Was that... So, like, yeah, like, the last good draft format before Ravnica like yeah. Yeah. so I'm assuming I mean, I'm assuming the limited format's going to be great and I mean it looks like it's going to be at the least like very interesting like with all of the legendary creatures yeah absolutely. I mean he's pretty good at designing magic cards right oh yeah like that's what, the that's best what I've yeah sweet uh, so do you have a card of the week uh, so this week uh, I do have a card of the week uh, it's not a particularly interesting one uh-huh. uh, it is the god pharaoh's gift oh sweet okay and well, that is that uh, it's simply just because of it was, was very annoying to play against in uh, in standard. <laughs> uh, so yeah, God Pharaoh's gift is my card of the week. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a an artifact uh, from Arrow of Devastation. It's a seven mana. That's seven generic mana. So it's mana of any color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says at the beginning of your combat, uh, beginning of combat on your turn, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie that gains haste until end of turn. It's a pretty powerful card. Yeah, definitely. It is. Um, it's a pretty powerful effect, but the way it works in the deck, um, 
And there are other cards you, you can use to sort of get that out a lot, uh, a lot quicker than, than turn 7. So uh, Gate to the Afterlife is one you can use. Uh, it's a 3 mana artifact, and that one was from Armanket. A little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, and that says, uh, whenever a non-creature token, uh, sorry, non-token creature you control dies, you gain one life. Then you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. And then you can spend two mana and tap it, sacrifice it, and you can search your graveyard, hand, and or library for a card named God Pharaoh's Gift. Put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. Activate this ability only if there are six or more creature cards in your graveyard. See, when I first... So when this deck first of sort existed, I was looking at these cards and I saw a, I saw a sweet list. It was like I think at the time it was like a mono blue list. Yeah. It was like just just when um, Godfrey's gift came out. Uh, and it's a mono blue, mono blue deck where you just cycle everything. So you put you cycle all these creatures into your. I think maybe it might have been um, blue black, but you cycle everything into your graveyard yeah. and then uh, make a Godfrey's gift and get all these things back and just start attacking your opponent. Yeah. Uh, not quite as busted as the versions that exist at the moment, but. I, it was playing Gate to the Afterlife, and I forgot that that last line of text was on uh, Gate to the Afterlife. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the six creatures one. Six or more creatures, yeah. <laughs> so I was just like um, milling myself with strategic planning, Yeah. putting a Godfarer's Gift, and then on like turn four, just like making a Godfarer's Gift with no creatures <laughs> in my graveyard. Like, oh man, this is busted. Like, why isn't everyone playing this? I'm like, Uh-oh. because that's not how it works. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. That, card's, that card's really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, the other thing you can do with it as well is the um, there's a white card from Kaladesh called Refurbish. Mm-hmm. It's three and a white, it's a sorcery. Uh, you return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, it's so really you just, good. Yeah, mill your own God Pharaoh's gift and then just get it back with Refurbish straight on the yeah, battlefield. Yeah, the animated card. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sweet. Yeah, it is pretty good. So yeah, it's my card of the week simply just because it was, it was quite difficult to play against. Uh, I wasn't prepared for it and... Uh, it, it's just a great deck. It's a very interesting deck, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's one that it's seen a good amount of play in standard at the moment. It's, it's yeah, fairly powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I always like standard decks that sort of try and break the rules a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I know this is obviously a printed card that <laughs> wizards want you to do this kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I like standard decks that don't sort of play traditional types of magic. Where you like, you know, the point of this deck is to put some stupid big creatures in your graveyard. And reanimate them and start smashing your opponent yeah. rather than you know, casting them. And I always like standard decks that do that kind of nonsense. Yeah, definitely. Anything that's just just a little bit unfair, I mm-hmm. do quite like that. Sure. So do you have a card of the week this week? I do. And this card is from Dominaria. Oh, sweet. Uh, what card is that? This is Muldrotha, the Gravetide. Ah, nice. And this card is sweet. Yeah. So it's uh, three, a black, a green, and a blue. Yeah. A legendary creature, Elemental Avatar. It's a 6-6, and during each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each permanent type from your graveyard. Uh, if a card has multiple permanent types, choose one as you play it. This card's great. Yep, I really like that. Like, um, So where are you thinking about playing it? Oh, uh, EDH. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm not yeah, going to Yeah, it's, it's the obvious answer. I think it's, it's going to be fantastic in Commander. Yeah, like this this card was printed for that format. I mean, I don't want to comment because I mean, I'm I'm considering saying that this card is just terrible for standard, but I could be completely wrong and this could be busted. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I've looked, I looked at this card and was like, I have to play this deck. Um, yeah, in my in my EDH play group, uh, as soon as it was officially because obviously it was in the um, the leak spoiler. Yeah. As soon as this card was officially spoiled, I shotgunned it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm going to play this deck because there's there's just so much silly stuff you can do with it in EDH, like. Because you've already got um, Carador decks and Merin decks, yeah, where you sort of reanimate creatures, but they already want a turn, yeah. yeah. And, and this, you can play anything from your any permanent from your graveyard, yeah, definitely. So you know, enchantment artifacts. So like, there's stuff like, um, oh, what's it called? Pernicious Deed. That's the one. Yeah. So you can cast stuff like Pernicious Deed from your graveyard, so you can keep keep blowing it up. Oblivion Stone, like stuff like Engineered Explosives, uh, Spore Frog, yeah, which I'm very excited to do. It just um, makes me wish that like fast bond was legal in Commander. No, God, that fast would be so fast mine would be great. Oh, that, that's that's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, making a strip mine every turn, like just one, is probably good enough. Yeah, sure. <laughs> fast bonding like a hundred out just to, to like destroy your opponent. Um, I'm just very excited about this card. I've pre-ordered a foil because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, and I'm just very excited about this deck. Like, I think that is my that is my project for the next couple of weeks is to is to sort of build this deck as best I can because I've already got a Scarab God deck. 
and yeah. I'm just going to convert it into this uh, natural green cards. Yeah, very... it's, it's it's a fairly interesting card. Like, I I'm not a particular fan of Commander as a format, but I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I do have decks. Like, I have played quite a lot, and uh, yeah. it was Sadissi Reanimator was the very first deck I built, and yeah, yeah, that was sort of of a similar theme. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, you just try and mill yourself, and then just because I mean, it means you have like. So if you're if you're graveyard if you're milling yourself, your graveyard has like forty cards in it. Yeah, it means your hand is forty cards bigger than it was. Yeah, so you can cast anything. Like it's absurd. Um, and I'm just very excited about this card. And yeah. the art is sweet. It is. Do you know wh- who Muldrother is as far as like the law goes? Um, I, I know I know as much as the flavor text tells me. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not too sure too sure either. Um. One of the things I'm, I'm loving, I'm, I'm loving about the sort of the new magic story that we're getting each week is they're sort of going into uh, Dominaria and explaining a lot of the sort of the backstory, and it's it's something that I do I know like a fair bit about as far as like mm. sort of like the main cast of characters goes, but yeah, yeah. I'm really enjoying learning like everything else just like sort of goes along with it. Oh, absolutely! Like the the story over the last few weeks has been really really good. Yeah, I enjoy reading it. Um, I imagine the story will tell us who Mordrother is at some point. Yeah, I'd hope so. But I mean, it's just a big avatar thing with massive hands and antlers, and oh, the art's just really sweet. <laughs> it is. It's really nice art. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stop gushing about this this card now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Should we, it's, yeah. Should we move on to what is essentially our main topic? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so yeah. Um, this week, I kind of wanted just to talk about like level up moments I guess uh, in you know, sort of your relationship with magic like at mm-hmm. what point did you feel like you wanted to play more competitive magic or sort of take the game more seriously than just you know oh I'm going to buy an intro pack and a booster pack or two and then we'll play at the kitchen table so I mean so, I guess I'll, I'll sort of go through I'll try and keep it brief okay. sure. so I I played a lot of magic like I played a lot of FNM yeah. when I was playing magic I mean this was about this was around Theros Khans of Tarkir standard. Yeah. Um, I was playing all FNMs. I'd started um, just like, I think it was just the sorts of people that played where I was playing. They were all sort of fairly competitive, like playing decks. And yeah. like, I, uh, there were some players that had been to the Pro Tour. There were people like grinding PTQs and, uh, well, it was PTQs at the time. Um, people grinding PTQs and going to GPs and stuff. And that was just sort of the environment that I played in. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I played against, you know, tier one decks and very good magic players. Uh, and I, was like, well, I'm, I'm going to have to compete with these people. Like, that's what sort of what you have to do. Um, so I guess it was sort of thrust upon me, like this want to play competitive. Um, but you know, I like I, I saw this very powerful, ridiculous magic going on compared to like the nonsense that I was playing beforehand. Yeah. And so I built, I started building competitive decks, and like um, I went to my first PTQ which I believe actually was the last PTQ in the UK <laughs> since they moved oh, wow. to the new system. Um, it was in Cardiff, Firestorm Games, yes. I want to say. Um, so I played that. I took a horrendous deck. I just tried to cram as many powerful cards into a deck as possible. I played no four-offs. Okay. It was really, like... Because, I, I, I mean, I went, like, I don't know, three, four drop or yeah. something. Um, I mean, this is, like, my first proper competitive event. And... I played no four ofs. I played three Bremas, three Wingmate Rock, three Heroes Downfall, three Thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know what I was doing. I, I think I forgot that you could play four cards in your deck. Yeah. But I played that and just had a blast, despite doing pretty terribly. Um, just really enjoyed the competitive scene because I mean, I think that PTQ is what sort of pushed me to properly want to start playing competitive Magic. Okay. Yeah. Because just the energy was great and like you, you know, with with the old PTQ system, like players actually travelled to try and do well in these events and like you saw some some very very good players and I played against a lot of very good players um, and it was just it just appealed to me like I don't know what it was but something just clicked like I want to play good magic yeah because um, so, you know I still I still consider myself to be a filthy casual because <laughs> I mean my favourite format is is EDH and I just like doing bad things with bad cards and yeah I mean EDH is a is a casual format definitely yeah like I mean that's that's what I enjoy like I enjoy it's why I, I've gotten so into old school it's just like I enjoy just fun magic fun, like I enjoy yeah, magic definitely but then I say like well okay well I'm gonna try and start paying competitively and like travelling to PPTQs and like going to any events that I can around the country um, 
and that, that was sort of the moment that I decided I wanted to do that. Yeah. So then I just started playing Magic non-stop, really. <laughs> like, um, playing as much Magic as I can, like playing as many formats as I could. Yeah. Um, and then and it got to the point where like my normal EDH play group were like, oh, do you want to come and play EDH? I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to PPTQ. That was, I think that was the point at which I realised <laughs> that I wanted to start playing Best of Magic. Yeah. And I've since gone full circle and like I don't, like, I still want to play Best of Magic and I still want to go to GPs and, you know, actually try and do well and yeah. like, put, put testing in. But most of the time, I'm just like, oh, I just want to play some Magic. I just want to jam some games and have some fun. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I still, you know, follow Standard. I follow Martin. I consume content constantly <clears throat> just to try and improve my game. And I think that's what competitive Magic is about. Yeah, I think so. I think there's that sort of the major difference really is is all about the content and, mm-hmm. um, you know, following the pro players and seeing you know, what they're up to, who's brewing what, who's playing what this week. Um, I guess... It seems to me it's it's more about the things that go on around the game than actual playing the game itself. Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. Cause, I mean, I mean, if you if you compare the amount of time you actually spend holding magic cards and putting them on the table yeah. with the amount of time you spend reading articles, listening to podcasts, watching videos, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, or even just thinking about what you're going to put in your deck as opposed to yeah, like, exactly. Just, like just, just the entire time I'm, I'm at work, I'm just <laughs> thinking about deck lists and tweaking stuff, and like it, like the actual time playing. Spent playing magic is <laughs> pales in comparison to the time <laughs> thinking about and consuming magic content. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm the same there myself as well. Absolutely, and like I don't. My main problem is I don't have time to play as much as I want. Yeah. Like I work on Saturdays, and uh, most PPTQs are on Saturdays, and most GPs are over the weekend. So I can't because I, I want to do that, and like you know, I've I've got the standard it together, and I've tried to play test as much as possible, and like I rent cards on Modo and stuff like that. But uh, I'm just not able to get out to the events at the moment and yeah. I think that's my, that's my main problem holding me back from being like as competitive and as into it as I want to be okay well, could you play like PTQs or Modo is that something you, that you would do absolutely it's just I'm terribly unorganised <laughs> <laughs> that's fair like, enough I, that's like, like, good so many excuse. things if I plan my time better <laughs> um but yeah like I still I still absolutely have a competitive mindset like I take FNM far too seriously <laughs> like there's just like I can I can feel myself sitting there and like Having having a game with like this person who's just come for fun, you know, like that's what FNM's for, and I'm just taking it so seriously and thinking about all the lines and like not speaking to my opponent and like really tanking on stuff and like that's just it's sort of the the mindset I've developed over the last three or four years, I think. Yeah, it's taking magic very seriously. Yeah, when I want to take it seriously. Yeah, I think that varies sort of across different formats as well. Like I think Absolutely. the vast majority of people that are playing modern are going to be. In a much more competitive mindset than somebody who who plays standard, even. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely that. Like, standard is this weird thing where I feel like it is simultaneously the most competitive and most casual constructed format, like outside of EDH and stuff. Yeah, outside of like sixty card casual. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like outside outside of like uh, here are some cards I own. I'm gonna play on my kitchen table and have fun. Um, I think it's. Because it's the format where people that people get into first, right? If you want to get into a constructed format, if you want to get into Magic, you play Standard. Yeah. Because the, the cards are accessible, you can open them in booster packs. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and they're available to you. So you can build these decks rather than having to trade for shot lands or fetch lands or whatever. Um, so most most people at an FNM will want to play Standard because it's their cards they own. Um, it's relatively inexpensive compared to other Magic formats. But then also, on the other side of that, it's you know the format for most of the PPTQs, most of the RPTQs, yeah. like Pro most Tours, PPs, yeah. like it's the competitive format. It's the format you have to play if you want to get to the Pro Tour, basically. Yeah. Um. You know, because obviously yeah, there's limited and sometimes there's modern and stuff like that. But if you want to be good at Magic, you have to be good at Standard. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. I think. Yeah, and I think uh, I made that that sort of. It's, it's strange because I made that when I started to get more competitive. I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to play modern because it's more complex and it makes me feel more intelligent. Um. <laughs> And then I sort of realised, oh, okay, I'm going to still have to play standard. <laughs> I totally had the opposite with modern. Like, playing Tron yeah. is not intelligent at all. It takes <laughs> Make this land. I have seven. Make this cut. Ca- oh, come on. <laughs> one plus two. Yeah, one plus one plus one equals seven. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I play Infect, right? That's exactly the same thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> two, four, ten. <laughs> Cool. So, I mean, I've, I've rambled on for a bit. Like, how? I guess we can talk about getting into competitive magic after. But I mean, like, what what got you into competitive magic specifically? Yeah, I think it was uh, for me. So, 
I was living when I, I guess when I started playing Magic again properly, um, mm-hmm. like we'd uh, gone through in our old episode. Uh, I was living in Brighton at the time, and I didn't yep. really know anybody there who played Magic. But like I said, okay. I found that group that did that weird FNM in a council building. Um, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, so I went along with that, and I think it, it was from there. Like obviously talking to the other players there and talking to the judge there, and like I. Before I went to that event, I had no idea that like formats were were even a thing. Like I thought it was just I thought the game was magic. Like that was it. Like yeah, it, it's magic. Have have it's just game. called Magic the Gathering. You just mm-hmm. jam sixty cards in your deck. No real sort of restrictions, except yeah, like sure. you can only have four of the cards. You know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So yeah, so we went to that event and then found out that oh, like half half my deck isn't legal because it's a standard yeah. event. Uh, there are you know, there are formats as standard as modern you know things this that and then found out about the pro tour and uh, yeah pretty much that event kind of like it was kind of like a like a light switch turn a light switch on really and it's kind of like it just clicked like oh there's there's so much more to this than just i'm just gonna sit around with my friends and play these 60 cards yeah i think that's the that's the moment right like yeah definitely it's realizing there's more it's realizing it's more than just like a board game you just sit and play with your friends occasionally like there's there's this scene, right? Like, yeah, this definitely. That's it. And I think, like, I guess when, whenever I've sort of gotten into anything, really, in like my life, like throughout my life, like I'll really sort of you know throw myself at it. Like I wanna, Absolutely. I wanna learn everything about it. Like I wanna be the best I can at it. Like you know, like I did that with like you know, I guess it was World of Warcraft before it was Magic. Like, mm-hmm. and I kind of went in with with that sort of same mentality with magic like yeah. i know what the pro tour is like okay sweet right i'll watch the next one i watch the next one and saw all of these great players with all these great decks and straight away i was like well that's what i want to do yeah like you know i realistically i don't know if that's something i'll ever achieve but mm-hmm. that is my goal like from yeah. it was pretty much from that point on like i watched my first pro tour which i think was uh was it pro tour journey into nicks i think it was Mm-hmm. It was the first one I watched, and it was yeah. From that point, I was like, "That's my end game. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to make the pro tour. That's something that really interests me, really excites me. The idea that that might be a possibility. Let's Absolutely. go for it. Let's do what whatever I need to do to get there." Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. Like, maybe over time and through actually playing Magic, like maybe that goal sort of fades. Yeah, I know it does definitely. Yeah, like you realize maybe that's not as attainable because I mean, people that get to the pro tour just play Magic constantly, right? Magic is a very, very difficult game. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It's that really is difficult. There, like, there are so many variables that, are, like, so many things that are like out of your control within the game mm. and around the game as well. And it's like, it's not as easy as just, oh, this deck won this event, so I'm going to buy every single card in this deck, and then I'm going to take this deck to the next event, and then I'm going to win because I'm playing the best deck. Like, yeah, like, no, it. It, that's not how it works it doesn't work like that and I think you're right like over the time you sort of the view you have as far as like you know really high level competitive play and yeah I want to make the pro tour kind of really it, it does change and I mm-hmm. think for me personally like my goal at the moment is always my long term goal is like I I just want to play the best magic that I can yeah exactly that's that's sort of my goal at this point is just to play some really good magic yeah. and I haven't done that recently. <laughs> yeah, same, absolutely. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm still really bad at magic. I mean, but, yeah, like I won two games all day on Saturday, and I played <laughs> Magic Arena. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not playing the best magic that I could be playing right now. Yeah, I mean, like my thing at FNM, like I went three one, like I did fine. Yeah, but <laughs> there was one particular game where, like, some of my friends were standing behind me, and they're just like, "What? What are you doing? Like, all of your lines are terrible. What? Like." <laughs> I was just doing some really, really bad, like just things you don't do if you're a good magic magic player. Yeah, um, and I think that's part of it. Like you, you're constantly learning, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's. I think that's the the key thing, really. Like to sort of a, a, achieve these things of like, oh, I want to win a PPTQ, or I want to make the Pro Tour, or I want to you know do well at day two a GP, like anything like that. It's like mm-hmm. you have to get better, and you know there are only so so many things you can do to do that, and that's yeah. A, consume as much as much good content as you can and practice but practice and again practice against good good people practice against players who are better than you know you feel you're better than you or 
mm-hmm. feel that are sort of like on the same level as you and you know practice a lot um get to play sort of against a variety of different decks really sort of learn learn the cards and mechanics of the game inside out absolutely like because I mean, people have different different goals and different perceptions of the game right yeah definitely like some people could make day to day two of, of a gp and like that's the best thing that's ever happened to them that's amazing they're really happy with that result yeah and some people miss the pro tour, miss the the top eight of a GP by on their breakers, yeah, and they're miserable and they've never had a worse weekend, yeah. Um, and I think that's both of those situations still come into competitive play because if you're if you're wanting to go to a GP and you're wanting to play, you know, up to fifteen rounds of Magic, that sort of lumps you in with the competitive players. But there's still so many different variables between in, like inside that group of people. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't know. It's just it's it's the type of magic I've just been around like I never really had as soon as I started playing magic I was playing magic with competitive players yeah same I think I was in exactly the same situation to be honest like you know outside of that that very first sort of reintroduction to the game that I had um, when I visited some friends in Canada and they they seemed to sort of a lot of them would just play like you know kitchen table magic it was, it was very much kitchen table magic there was quite a few people that were playing it and it would just that's just something you would do. You'd hang out, you'd play some magic to pass the time. Yeah. Like one or two of them did play in stores, they played F and M's, they did play more competitively, but it was like oh yeah, yeah, we play magic. Yeah, I've got these cards, this is my deck, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then obviously came back over over to the UK and didn't really have sort of anybody who was playing it there or anybody who was or wanted to play or sort of get interested in it there and so one that one event and it was like, Oh, okay competitive magic players yeah and then from then uh, obviously i moved back up to newcastle and started working in a store and then the type of magic that gets played in a store is definitely very different to your kitchen table magic yeah definitely i like i mean how do you so if you're if you're someone that like plays sort of casual magic but is interested in these competitive yeah um events like reads articles on you know channel fireball or whatever about about the latest standard deck and and stuff like that like how how do you sort of get into competitive magic i think that's the that's the question right yeah for sure um i think that would just be the best thing to do would just be attend events attend events in stores um <clears throat> you know use things like like the wizards event locator on the wizards of the coast website to find uh, sort of what events are happening sort of near near to you um so you can look at yeah. things like obviously pptq is kind of like the first sort of step towards that real next level competitive play you've got like gps as well like the uk usually gets like at least two gps a year mm-hmm. yeah i think we've got four this year yeah so many <laughs> which is like which is great like absolutely fantastic yeah, absolutely. uh so yeah like gps and like another thing you can attend um mm-hmm. but yeah i would say like the best advice i would i could give really is just sort of go into a store find out who like the the more competitive or the the more sort of successful in a competitive element sort of players are in your area and just just you know just approach them like i think most most magic players are fairly approachable yeah um, definitely yeah definitely just sort of play with get to play with them and i think if you let them know that you want to take the game more seriously you really like the sort of things that they're doing with the game and you want to know more you want to grow more then i'm i'm sure that that somebody in that sort of more competitive community in your magic, your local magic scene will definitely be more than willing to help you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's that's sort of on us, right? Like, as, yeah, for sure. as the, the playing best of magic, that, like, consider ourselves to be good at magic. Um, it's on us to sort of, like, be receptive to these people. Yeah, absolutely. And if they ask questions or, like, if they sort of don't know... So, like, people turn it to standard FNMs and, like, you know, you're playing your tuned standard decks you want to test for a PPTQ and then someone turns up with, like, their bad vampires deck right like but bad in terms of tribal or something or... yeah like yeah bad in terms of competitive play yeah uh, and i think it's sort of on you to to be you know don't force yourself but don't be like like we were discussing last week you know, don't tell your opponent they're bad yeah because <laughs> that's not that's not fair um but like if they ask you questions like try and give them as much advice as you possibly can yeah definitely um and if they if they want to get into it like you prove you're there to prove that it's a good thing to do and like it's fun to play competitive magic yeah definitely and that's that's um, that's absolutely an option. Yeah, I mean, like, competitive magic is the only sort of magic I like to play. <laughs> it's just sort of how I've how I've viewed the game for so long now. Yeah, uh, I, I think in the same. Like, one of the most sort of re- rewarding aspects of the game I find is sort of doing doing as well as I can in competitive events and coming away knowing that I've played the best magic that I could in that particular event. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's, there's events where I've where I've gone um, like eight and one and stuff, and I've played some dismal magic. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, I've done well, like that's good, but yeah. And then there's events where I've gone like two five, but I've played some technically very very good magic. Yeah, and I like I've been like on all day, and I I find those experiences more rewarding. Yeah, for sure. I've decided to play this game and decided to devote a lot of time and money and whatever into this game and being able to do it to the best of my ability is really rewarding and I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, Even if it's at FNM or like if it's at a GP, like if I can play good magic, that's what I want. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I don't think playing good magic or competitive magic doesn't necessarily mean that you you have to play something that, that isn't fun or like... Yeah. You know, I guess one of the one of the events that I've had the most the, both the most fun at and I felt I felt really sort of rewarded as a magic player in, mm. in terms of like I played I played well this weekend it was um it was nationals last year yep uh I I can't remember exactly my record I think it was like I, I think it, I'd gone like 8 7 or something so not a great record like not nothing fantastic mm. um yep. I came I think I came exactly 100th out of like oh, sweet. 400 <laughs> people or something <laughs> which you know as I was, I was dead happy with it but I, I just knew that every round I played I played the best magic I could like, yeah. I draft, like my draft decks were good so like I drafted the best deck I could I played the best deck I could you know I Absolutely. didn't make top 8 didn't win the event but I had a lot of fun and I know yeah I just know that I, I played very well that weekend and I'm very happy with myself yeah that's part of the like that's part of the thing like, if that's what you enjoy because I mean, some people enjoy winning boxes or you know getting pro points and stuff like that, and some people just enjoy playing really good magic. Yeah, uh, I'm absolutely in that in that second camp. Like I, you know, I like winning events. <laughs> yeah, same. Absolutely love it. But it doesn't really matter the winning or the losing so much as long as you know you played your best or like absolutely yeah definitely. And I mean, like like you were saying that like, you can take some some absolute nonsense to some really uh, to some really big events, some yeah. really competitive events. And I think that is a good segue into our What the Deck this week. It's <laughs> a really good segue into our What the Deck. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. this, we have some nonsense. It <laughs> uh, is great. I absolutely love this deck that we're doing for What the Deck this week. So <clears throat> this weekend we've had a double GP in a GP Seattle, uh, just Legacy and Standard, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the decks we're doing, well, the deck we're doing for What the Deck this week uh, comes from the Legacy GP. Yep, and that is Chantel Campbell's Mono White Soldiers. It's oh, so good. <laughs> so yeah, so Legacy's kind of one of those formats where you are either playing a really unfair deck, and you're doing mm-hmm. something like Storm, and you know you're winning on turn two, or you're playing like Show and Tell, and you're casting like an Emrakul on turn three. Like, yep, you know you're doing something really silly like that, or you're doing something like extremely fair, like. Not just mm-hmm. fair, but like extremely fair. Yeah. So like any of like the Delva decks or like any of like the four color control decks that are playing Leovold, like you're playing cards that are they're almost unfair how fair those cards are. They really sort of balance the, the playing field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas this is kind of like it's definitely like it what looks like a fair deck, but feels like it feels very different to like your standard sort of death and taxes deck or like any of your your more fair Delva decks. I mean, I can't think of a more fair card than Captain of the Watch. No, like, <laughs> maybe Aerial Responder. <laughs> yeah, sure, that, that is the fairest card you could possibly play. So we're going to run through the deck list. It's, uh, yeah. it's Mono White, uh, and it plays uh, 29 creatures, so that is mm. 3 Aerial Responder. That's, <laughs> is, I still can't get over it. <laughs> that's an uncommon from, uh, from Kaladesh. Uh, it's one and two white for a creature, a dwarf soldier. It's a two-three with flying, vigilance, and lifelink. Yep. It plays three of those, and then it plays two captain of the watch. Uh, that is a six-mana three-three human soldier uh, with vigilance. Uh, other soldiers, other soldier creatures you control get plus one plus one and have vigilance. And when captain of the watch enters the battlefield, put three one-one white soldier creature tokens on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So it plays two of those, and then it plays two Adari Warchief. <laughs> that is a four mana one one. It's a two three. It's a two three. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Uh, it's a four mana one one uh, soldier, and it says soldier spells you play cost one less to play, and soldiers you control get plus one plus two. So it is technically a two three when it is on the battlefield. Yeah, we did check. It hasn't been errated like Lord of Atlantis. Yeah, it affects uh, itself. So. 
two of those, and then after that, it plays four enlistment officer. <laughs> that is a four mana two three soldier uh, with first strike. And when it comes to the play, reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all soldier cards revealed this way into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library. Sweet. <laughs> so yeah, keeps digging through your deck, finding some more soldiers, which are a fair, fair amount of soldiers in this deck, I'd say. I'm sen- I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> uh, after that, we've got three copies of Palace Jailer. Yep. Uh, that's a four mana two two. When Palace Jailer enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Uh, when Pan- Palace Jailer enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until an opponent becomes the monarch. Sorry, what uh, what creature type is that? That is a human soldier. Oh, that seems important. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got three of those. After that, yep. we've got four preeminent captain. Jesus. It's a three mana two two Kithkin soldier. Mm-hmm. It has first strike, and whenever it attacks, you may put a soldier creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Man, who needs Sharonsar when you've got this? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that's my captain to watch for free. Yeah, pretty good. And after that, you've got uh, three copies of Recruiter of the Guard. I think this is the point at which we get to the respectable cards in the deck, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, Recruiter <laughs> like of the Guard is cards. A, a definite serious card. Uh, it's a three mana one one. It's a human soldier, and when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with toughness two or less, and reveal it. So that's your Dari Warchief. Yep. And put it in your hand, then shuffle your battle your library. Oh man, that's a combo. Yeah, it's a combo Dari Warchief because obviously it's a it's a one one when it's, it's not on the battlefield. Got, yeah, because it's technically got three toughness on the battlefield, but yeah. it's a one one you can search for. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, and then outside of that, you've got. What you would sort of commonly see in like Death and Taxes decks, so, so yeah. cards that you do see a lot of play of in Legacy anyway. You got four copies of Thalia, Garden of Thraben, yep, and four copies of Thalia, Heretic Cathar. Sure, these are reasonable cards. Reasonable cards. Uh, the Guardian of Thraben is a two mana two one with first strike, and non-creature spells cost one more to cast. Mm-hmm. And the Heretic Cathar, it's a three mana three two with first strike. Uh, creatures are non-basic lands your opponent control enter the battlefield tapped. Sure. So after that, we've got. Uh, eight artifacts, so we've got four Chalice of the Void, so that's yep. XX, uh, it enters the battlefield for X charge counters on it. Whenever a player casts a spell with converted mana cost, equal that number of charge counters, counter that spell. Yep. And then we've got four Chrome Mocks, so that's a zero mana uh, artifact with imprint. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile a non-artifact, non-land card from your hand, and then you can tap it to add one mana of any of the exiled card's colours to your mana pool. Mm-hmm. After that, we've got four enchantments. So we've got four copies of Suppression Field. That is one and a white uh, for an enchantment. Activated abilities cost two more to play, unless they're mana abilities. Yep. And then after that, we've got 19 lands. So that is four Ancient Tomb, uh, four Cavern of Souls, one City of Traitors, two Caracas, and eight Plains. Sweet. This is stupid. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I have never seen anything like this before. Like, I... I mean, I don't play as much Legacy as I'd like to, but I do play you know, a, a, a decent amount. Yep. Uh, I, I've, I've never seen a mono-white soldiers list before, ever. I think, like a couple of years ago, I might have seen like a stupid Captain of the Watch deck, but some of these decks I actually had to look up. Yeah. And like, I've never seen an en- en- like enlistment officer before. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a, there's a definite theme there. There's definitely strong synergy between the cards. Uh-huh. It just feels really out of place yeah, it's when really you look strange. at like, the rest of the field. Like You've got like uh, Grixis Delver, which is, yeah, it's one of the more fair decks out there, but it's playing stuff like Force of Will and Wasteland. Like yeah. uh, You've got like Adnosium Tendrils, which is just a storm deck. Like That yep. can just go off and kill you on turn two. Uh-huh. You've got like any of the show and tell decks like just playing Emrakul on turn 3 and it yep. just it just looks completely out of place in the field yeah because I mean you've got like this sort of package of like taxi nonsense so you've got like you know four chalices four chrome marks yeah for thing horse prepping field which is sort of alright yeah then you've got like soul lands and ancient tomb and you've got caracas like that that bit I get and like you know you've got you, your sets of thalias like you're trying to tax your opponent and make it difficult to play the game then you've got recruit of the guard to search you know, they search for those pieces and then that's fine and then you just have like this suite of just soldiers just, like, yeah. nonsense yeah so it feels like they sort of you know she looked at thalia thought oh, that's a human soldier oh recruit of the guard that's a human soldier uh palace jailer that's a reasonable that's a you know fairly respectable card that's yeah. a soldier what other soldiers exist <laughs> yeah <laughs> they just like jam them in a deck like arrow responder man but you know, it definitely. I mean, it definitely just does the job. It seems to work. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, so this deck is it's featured on uh, just the 
Wizards of the Coast uh, GP Seattle Legacy homepage, I guess, really. Um, yeah. And they do a bit of a write-up on it. and Some of the gameplay from this deck. Oh, it just looks so sweet. Um, so so we go through the sideboard as well there. You've got 15 card sideboard. Yep. You've got two copies of Armageddon. Sweet. Uh, one Containment Priest. Uh-huh. You've got two Holy Light. No, I'm which, out. Yeah, we we can't we don't quite understand why that's there. Like, I guess there's the argument is it's there's a sideboard card against uh, storm decks that are playing empty the warrens because yep. obviously if you're playing stuff like your chalice of the void and your thalias and um, empty the warrens is probably the route you want to go down for the kill rather than uh, tendrils. Sure. Tendril, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the fact that it kills true nemesis. True nemesis yeah. is the one. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a three mana. All non-white creatures get minus one, minus one till end of turn. With the worst art I've ever seen. Them. Great <laughs> art. It's great. <laughs> it's just an old man with his mum out. Yeah, I honestly don't get it. But I mean, I could talk forever about how I don't understand this card. <laughs> sure. uh, and after that, we've got uh, a, a card which I really like in the deck. Uh, it's selfless mm. squire. Yeah. It's three in a white uh, for one one with flash. When and as the battle field, prevent all damage that will be dealt to you this turn. And whenever mm-hmm. damage is dealt, damage that would be dealt to you is prevented. Put that many plus one plus one counters on Selfless Squire. Yeah, like I saw it, because before I, before I looked at the deck, I saw someone had tweeted about this, about this deck. Like they just, it was just a picture of Selfless Squire with like 60 counters on it yeah. or something. <laughs> just like, sweet. <laughs> Could have been. They've got a little uh, write up on the, the page as I was saying, uh, said in, in round 11, uh, Campbell's sneak and show opponent put an Emrakul in play over show and tell. Uh, on the next turn, they went to attack and Campbell tapped all her lands before sacrificing them to the Annihilator trigger and used that mana to flash in a Selfless Squire. Obviously, Selfless Squire negated the damage from the Emrakul, put 15 uh, counters on the Selfless Squire, and then attacked for 16 on the next turn. So and won sweet. the game. <laughs> That's great. It's so it's, good. And, it's like, it's a soldier, so you've got, like, yep. your soldier cards that find it, and it's a 1-1, so Recruiter of the Guard finds it as well. Ah, uh, combo deck. It's really good. I love it. Uh, but then after that, we've got three copies of Cast Out. Oh, God knows why. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> uh, it says draw a card on it. Like, that's good. Oh, God, sure, yeah. No, that's fine. I, re- I retract my statement. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got one Eidolon of a Rhetoric. Mm-hmm. That's a three mana, one four. If each player can't cast more than one spell per turn. It's a spirit. Second, yeah. Not a soldier. It's not a, a soldier, no. But it is, uh, it's a one four, so Recruiter of the Guard can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, it can't, because it's toughness. It's no, like toughness, Imperial, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imperial Recruiter that could get it. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why this card says one off that you can't shoot for. But, uh, yeah, it beats, I mean, it just beats Storm, doesn't it? But you're only playing four Thalia Gardening Fairbanks, right? Yeah, true. And four Chalice of the Void. Chalices. Yeah, this card seems... I, uh, I don't know. Maybe she was just expecting a lot of Storm. Sure, yeah. Just, I mean, a 1-4 is pretty good, right? Yeah, it's fine. Sure. Uh, after that, we've got two copies of Rest in Peace. Mm-hmm. And then we've got two copies of Sorcerer Spyglass. Sweet. Yeah, like, it feels really strange. I think this is kind of the epitome of what the deck really like. Yeah. It's a very strange... Li- I mean, like, the list in a vacuum totally makes sense, like... Yeah. All of these cards interact with each other nicely. Yeah, yeah. They do sort of power, very powerful things when they all combine. Absolutely. But when you stick it in, you know, you just like pick any any legacy GP, any legacy tournament, like pop it in that field, and it's going to look completely out of place. The point is, like, you just jam a chalice on one on turn one, right? Yeah, sure. Lock out most of your opponent's spells, and then just start just start the beat down with these. Like, I mean, they look embarrassing, but like when you put them all together, they do work. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Chantal Campbell did put the results up. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. yeah she really well ended on 33 points i believe yeah it's sweet which like, is kind of like like it's like what 11 for like yeah like it's really really respectable result um and like just playing some really really bad cards and i love that yeah. i love playing bad cards <laughs> i just looking at like the list of players where she had the same result as or like ended mm-hmm. the same result as like you've got bbd you've got lsv uh todd anderson um yeah Bob Wang, yeah, Bob Wang. Oh wow, he came out of retirement, I guess, and, uh, and played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I bet they're all playing like death right shamans and brainstorms and boring stuff. Yeah, I mean LSV's playing lands, I think. Ugh, <laughs> tabernacle, how boring. But yeah, like you look at the list and it's like did better than like Eli Cassis. Yeah, like like great. It's awesome. Placed really well in a really really strange deck. Like yep. absolutely the epitome of what the deck I think. Absolutely. I mean like I mean we're taking the mech out of these decks, right? Like on what the deck. Like what is this? But like still put up results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This still really did better than I've ever done a GP ever. And like absolutely. and played errors bond. I don't think anyone's ever actually registered that it's standard, let alone <laughs> <laughs> let alone legacy. Wow. Sweet. Sweet, yeah. So I think that might be all we have time for this week. Uh, once again, we are approaching the second hour. Uh, the God Pharaoh has returned. We'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. 